Hello, and welcome to Always Responding, a podcast for all first responders. I'm your host, KB. For those returning, thank you. For the new listeners tuning in for the first time, welcome. Always Responding is truly a podcast for all first responders, but it's also for the family members of everyone who puts this uniform on every day and night. For the ones who stay home worrying if their loved ones are okay, if they're going to make it back to the door at the end of their shift. I know we go out there day after day, night after night, shift after shift. We get used to the code runs and the tone alerts and the dynamic calls. And for the most part, we have our fellow co-workers to feed off of, to laugh and joke with, and sometimes to cry with after the really bad calls. But do we ever really stop to think about our loved ones at home? Yeah, they may not actually see the call we respond to or be part of the action, but believe me, they feel it. They sit at home every day, every night, every shift, stressing over our job and what it means to be a first responder. So today tonight, or whenever your shift ends, be sure to go home and thank whoever is there waiting for you. They have been stressed out all day, wondering if this is the day you don't come through that door. Every episode of Always Responding, I will read the name of any law enforcement officer who has been killed in the line of duty between the last episode and the current one. Unfortunately, this year, there have been 105 law enforcement officers who haven't made it home. Every episode of Always Responding, I will read the name of any law enforcement officer who has been killed in the line of duty between the last episode and the current one. Unfortunately, two law enforcement officers have been killed in the line of duty since our last episode. They are Deputy Sheriff Walter Jenkins, Rockdale County Sheriff's Office, end of watch, May 11th, struck by vehicle. Deputy Sheriff Walter Jenkins was struck and killed at about 9.30 p.m., while directing traffic at the intersection of Highway 138 and Highway 212. He was transported to Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta, where he succumbed to his injuries. He was 54 years old. And Deputy Sheriff Robert Howard, Harris County Sheriff's Office, end of watch, May 11th, automobile crash. Deputy Sheriff Robert Howard was killed in a vehicle crash when his patrol car struck the back of a tractor trailer that was parked on the left shoulder of the Tombow Parkway near Spring Cypress Road. He was transporting evidence as part of a criminal case when the crash occurred at about 2 p.m. Deputy Howard had served with the Harris County Sheriff's Office for three years and was assigned to the gang unit. He is survived by his wife, two children, parents, and sister. He was 27 years old. I'm also sad to report that there have been some COVID-related deaths in our law enforcement community. There's a policeman's prayer I found. I'd like to read it for you. It's called Policeman's Prayer. When I started my tour of duty, God... Wherever crime may be, as I walk the darkened streets alone, let me be close to thee. Please give me understanding with both the young and old. Let me listen with attention until their story's told. Let me never make a judgment in a rash or callous way, but let me hold my patience. Let each man have his say. Lord, if some dark and dreary night I must give my life, Lord, with your everlasting love, protect my children and my wife. I will now read the names of those officers who lost their lives to this terrible virus. Deputy Sheriff Douglas Sanford, Hamilton County Sheriff's Office, end of watch March 29th, COVID-19. 
Patrol Officer Brian Simber, Ottawa Police Department, April 3rd, COVID-19. Police Officer Daryl Fortner, Vestavia Hills Police Department, end of watch, April 6th, COVID-19. I'd like to read an article that was printed on the Officers Down Memorial page. It reads, Beginning in early 2020, thousands of law enforcement officers and other first responders throughout the country began to contract COVID-19 during the worldwide pandemic. Due to the nature of their job, law enforcement officers were required to work and interact with the community, even as the majority of the country was self-quarantined. As a result, hundreds of officers died from COVID-related illnesses and other complications. Corrections agencies, in particular, suffered tremendous losses due to the the constant and close proximity between the corrections officers and large inmate populations. Since March 2020, Officer Down Memorial Page has verified that over 600 law enforcement officers have died as a result of a confirmed or presumed exposure while on duty and continues to work with hundreds of other agencies that have suffered a COVID-related death. This article was taken from the Officer Down Memorial Page website, and it really hits home. I recommend logging on to the website if you haven't, and just take a look around. It will really open your eyes and make you realize just how many law enforcement officers we lose each year, not just to the violence on the street, but to other issues like COVID and automobile crashes and health-related issues. Once again, it's Officer Down Memorial Page. Always Responding will also read the names of any firefighter who lost their life in the line of duty between the last episode and this one. There's a prayer called the Firefighter's Prayer. The Firefighter's Prayer also is a tradition for either memorial services or funerals. The prayer is often said to be written by A.W. Smokey Lynn, a Kansas fireman, and was published in 1950s. It has since worked its way into many firefighter funerals and is included in the IAFF Funeral Protocol. Here's the prayer. When I am called to duty, God, wherever flames may rage, give me strength to save a life whatever be its age. Let me embrace a little child before it is too late, or save an older person from the horror of that fate. Enable me to be alert and hear the weakest shout, and quickly and efficiently to put the fire out. I want to feel my calling, to give the best in me, to guard my friend and neighbor, and protect their property. And if, according to your will, while on duty I must answer death's call, bless with your protecting hand, my family, one and all. Unfortunately, there have been two firefighters who have lost their lives since the last episode. They are firefighter Darren Banks from Chino, California. On Friday, May 6, 2022, Wildland firefighter Darren Banks was assigned to a Type 2 initial attack hand crew working to prepare an area for prescribed burning in Tulamone County. While working the area, he was hit by a dead tree that fell. He was transported down the hill to the medics where CPR was performed. All life-saving measures were unsuccessful and he was pronounced deceased. Brian Banks was 26 years old. And Fire Captain Jason Smith from Balco, Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma. On Tuesday, April 5th, 2022, Captain Jason Smith and firefighter Tyler Morris from Balco Fire Department were burned when their truck rolled over in a ditch. The two were operating at the scene of the Beaver River Fire in Beaver County. Both were treated in the burn unit at the University Medical Center in Lubbock, Texas. Captain Smith was released from the hospital on April 19th and had a checkup on April 27th. Captain Smith took a turn for the worst and passed away on Sunday, May 8th from the burn injuries he sustained at the incident. Captain Smith was 43 years old. Always Responding will continue to pay tribute each and every episode to all the brave men and women who pay the ultimate sacrifice so that they are never forgotten. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with me today. Last week on Always Responding, I had the honor and privilege of interviewing one of my dearest friends, Don, who has been a first responder for 27 years as a firefighter, EMT, and a registered nurse at a level one trauma center. We talked about how 27 years on the job affected his body physically, mentally, and emotionally. Don shared with us a very personal story about his wife's brother, who was a firefighter, married with an 11-month-old son. Don called him John. Now, John, in all accounts, was the prototypical firefighter. Young, excellent shape, loved the job, devoted husband and father. Unfortunately, being a father of a young child and then responding to pediatric calls started to take a toll on John, and before long, these types of calls caught up to him. John tried so hard to get past what he was going through, but unfortunately, one day, it all caught up with John, and he took his own life. Don and his family were devastated. Don was able to share this painful story with us in hopes it would open up lines of communication with our first responders and their families. You know, it's so important when we see someone you believe is struggling or seems not themselves, to just reach out to them. Ask if they're okay. Do they want to talk or just be there for them? The number of suicides in the first responders community continues to rise. There's a website called bluehelp.org that, per their website, since January 1st, 2016, has been compiling a list of first responders lost to suicide, which includes information on corrections and federal officers of all duty status. This year alone, there have already been 48 law enforcement officers, eight firefighters, and one correction officer commit suicide. Like Don and I were talking about in our last episode, if we as first responders just take a few moments and start looking out for each other, I mean really looking out for each other, when you see one of your partners struggling after a bad call or seem not to be themselves, like Don said, get in their business. Don't be afraid to ask if they're okay. There has been 48 of our fellow law enforcement officers who felt they had no other choice this year, felt suicide was their only choice. Eight of our firefighters and one of our correction officers felt the very same way. They all decided suicide was the only answer. Guys, we're only in May. If we don't come together as a family and start communicating with each other and start listening to our brothers and sisters that are hurting and need our help, these numbers are going to keep rising. Just for comparison, last year, there were 136 law enforcement officers, 21 correction officers, 17 firefighters, and two EMS workers who committed suicide. 2019 seems to be one of the worst years for law enforcement. There were 197 officers who committed suicide that year alone. These numbers are staggering and should be eye-opening, not only for all of us who work side-by-side with each other, who go call-to-call, deal with the same enormous amount of stress that comes with our chosen profession, but should also be eye-opening to our administrations. I spoke before about how we are taught in the academy how to deal with the suspects who want to fight with us, how to drive our patrol vehicles during dynamic situations, how to de-escalate extremely stressful situations, but are we ever really taught? how to deal with after effects of all these types of calls, how to handle the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year effects these calls have on us, how they affect us emotionally, physically, and mentally. 
If we took the time at the beginning of our careers, during the academy time, to set aside some part of the academic portion of the academy to cover the emotional toll the profession can take on the first responder during the length of their career, or even at the beginning of their career, give them advice on what signs to look for in someone who may be struggling, maybe contemplating suicide, and what they can do if they see a coworker or one of their partners they feel may be having suicidal thoughts, how it's okay to reach out to them and talk to them. Reaching out could possibly save their lives, but this could also be an opportunity to reach someone early in their career and provide them the tools they can utilize at some point to fall back on that can help them reach out and ask for help instead of believing they have no answers and think suicide is the only way out. Always Responding wants to do whatever we can to help reduce the number of suicides in our first responders community. Together, we can all make a difference. Here at Always Responding, I'd like to end each episode on a lighter note. If we have a guest on, I will ask them if they can recall a war story, something from one of their many calls they have been responding to during their careers that's either humorous or maybe embarrassing. But since this episode, I'm kind of flying a little bit solo, I will share one of my war stories with you. So the department I'm currently working on, they'll sign us to patrol certain areas during the holiday season like malls and shopping centers and, and be proactive, looking for shoplifters, car thieves, robbery suspects, etc. right? Our patrol vehicles have computers that allow us to put details in them that anyone who happens to be logged on and working that particular shift can read. Well, during this holiday season, I decided it would be funny and a good idea to put in the computer the acronym for what we were working that particular shift. So I put the following acronym, all with the appropriate place dots, into my computer. The acronym was Sheriff's Holiday Initiative team and then follow that up with the word detail okay i'll give you a minute just to let that sink in a sheriff's holiday initiative team think each letter that starts each word well my sergeant saw this little tidbit on the computer and to say she was upset would be uh, an understatement i received a message on my computer to meet her at the local coffee location we all went to immediately I pulled in, and when she stepped out of her patrol vehicle, she walked up to me, looked me straight in the eye, and called me an effing idiot five times in a row. Although she used the full version of the F word, I tried telling her I used the acronym correctly with all the dots in the right places and everything, but she was having none of that. We walked into the coffee shop. She ordered her coffee, stirred her stick so hard in her cup I thought she was going to drill a hole in the bottom of it, all all while staring at me, giving me the really evil death stare. Then without warning, she looks me straight in the eye, said she was still pissed. Then she started a little smile across her face and said that was some funny... Mm, but don't do that crap ever again. Yes, ma'am, I said. Lesson learned. First time I've ever been called a idiot five times in a row in my whole career. 19 years, first and last. Learn your lesson there. So <laughs> that's my one war story of many, but uh, good times. You know, you try to have some fun and sometimes it backfires. Anyway, that's my war story. Thank you for spending part of your day with me. I truly, truly appreciate that. I know you have a busy day. I, I appreciate all you do. I hope this episode made you think, and that's what I'm trying to accomplish with always responding. Get everyone thinking and talking and maybe together we can all start making a difference. That's that's my hope. It should be noted that this is National Police Week. For the first time in two years, our nation's capital will host a full schedule of events from May 11th through the 17th to honor those officers who lost their lives in the line of duty. As always, if you have a hobby or an item you make and would like for me to promote, I'd be happy to mention it on this podcast in the future. You can email me at alwaysresponding at gmail.com. Thanks for spending time with me. I hope this is the beginning of a great partnership. I hope everyone has a long, safe, and healthy career. This is KB with Always Responding saying thank you. And remember, as they would always say in that 80s cop show, let's be safe out there.